Hello friends, the audio you're about to listen to was recorded in March of 2019, so about two years prior to the words that I'm recording right now. Recently I've seen an uptick in interest in some of the things that I've had to say about ultrasound, specifically to do with what I'm suggesting is scientific evidence that this technology in fact retards the growth of the baby in the womb. That's right. I know it sounds crazy, but listen to this one hour recording for yourself. Check the links in the info box below or in the show notes below and see for yourself. There's a lot of ideas covered in the recording that you're about to listen to, and it starts off a little slow, but before long, you might find yourself wondering if JLB has lost his mind, or you might find yourself wondering why nobody has been speaking about this before. Why is this stuff that almost nobody seems to know about? This is one of the most important podcasts I have ever released or recorded. In this case, I recorded it at Fakeologist a couple of years ago originally. Two years on, though, it is more relevant than it has ever been before because I hear a lot of people wondering why those around them still cannot understand the scamdemic, despite all of the evidence in front of them. Well, perhaps by the end of this podcast, you might have one new explanation for this phenomenon of the people around you seeming like they cannot think for themselves. For your benefit, I've removed the first few minutes of the original podcast to save you the time. But if you want to listen to the full interview or the full audio, which is about 10 minutes longer than the one you're about to listen to, that's also available in the show notes as well. So we'll pick it up from where I begin talking about some of the important hoaxes that are relevant in the lead up to the grand hoax that I speak about in the podcast. I do hope you enjoy this and I hope you listen all the way through, even if it gets a little bit difficult at parts. But also let me say this, you are about to hear some black pill stuff and I don't want to black pill people or to bring them down. That's not my aim, but some of this information is very important. So if you are prone to being affected by black pill information, then maybe you don't want to listen to this podcast. Maybe I'm just putting this warning here at the start because I'm trying to be mindful. We're all at different stages of of this path of deprogramming. So yes, there's a little bit of dark stuff in there and not just from me because Ab joins later and his own anecdotal experience is pretty full on. So I am putting that warning there, but I think if you do care about the so-called truth and especially if you care about why things are the way they are, some of the information here is very important. And like I said, there are links in the show notes to free information, free articles or scientific articles that I've tracked down for you that will help you make better sense of all of this. But give this audio listen, it's about an hour and I hope you enjoy it. But if there are any dark things in there, in a sense, I apologize. But in a sense, I don't apologize because this isn't my fault. This is just stuff that I've discovered that I'm bringing to you to do with what you will. So let's pick it up from about 10 minutes into the original recording. And I hope, I truly do hope you get something out of this. While I'm here, I just wanted to raise one topic with you guys, the listeners, that I've been thinking about the last couple of days, which is the topic of ultrasound. When a woman is pregnant, it is now very common for her to go and have a device beamed into her. Hold on, this is Ab. You're listening to another hour of Fakeologist Audio Chat on Fakeologist.com. Yeah, so it's very common now for people to go and have these things called ultrasounds performed. And uh, this involves a machine being swiped over the, the pregnant belly and images coming up on a screen. 
how many people have taken the time to look into the safety or otherwise of these particular machines? If you're listening to this and you have had a child or you plan to have children or you know people who have children, then uh, have you or has any of the people you know taken the time to sit down and look at the safety or otherwise of these devices? I remember when I was younger, I was told, don't tap on fish tanks. Don't tap on fish tanks because uh, it's only a small sound to you, but it might be a very big sound to the fish, so don't do it, which makes sense to me. I look at this idea of the ultrasound and I think, well, maybe this is harmless to the, to the child, but you know what, I'm going to look into it. I'm going to look into it. This was a, a couple of days ago I decided to thoroughly look into it. You see, a couple of years ago, and I was learning about the medical industry and how it really works, I spent a bit of time looking into ultrasound and I could see that there were some genuine question marks over all of this. Question marks I thought I would come back and answer at a later time. Well, that later time was a couple of days ago, for one reason or another. And I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, a few weeks ago, I started looking into deadly animals in Australia, spiders and snakes, and, and looking into how, how deadly really are they? What is the official story here? What, what's the evidence to support this? That was a good host to, to discover. I'm, I'm quite happy that, that redbacks can't, I mean, redback spiders can't, can't kill me anyway. They can hurt, but not going to kill you. I'm quite happy about that. Quite happy. And, and snakes, most snakes are also non-deadly. Even the ones that are supposedly deadly don't kill anybody. I know that sounds crazy, but that is the, that's the official story. Or, well, they don't kill anyone, but if, if they did bite a human, well, they could, ki- they could kill lots of humans. And we know that because we did some, some tests on, on, on mice. Yeah, and, and this particular snake killed a lot of mice. So we think it's the most deadly, but it doesn't kill any humans. No, it doesn't bite anybody. It's harmless. Oh, I see. All right, fair enough. So that was a good hoax to discover. I'm, I'm happy I discovered that hoax. It makes me happy. And then I started doing research into the diamond hoax. Diamonds, you know those $1,000 rocks that people buy, uh, usually men buying for women for their engagements? I discovered that those things are actually manufactured in factories in China. They're not dug from the ground. They're manufactured in factories in China. And the so-called experts fully admit that they can't tell the difference between an artificially manufactured diamond and one that has been dug from the ground. Okay, once you take the raw material, whether that is artificially or that is... Uh, hold on, I just got a message. Um, I've been asked if I'm doing a solo. No, you're welcome to come in if you're listening, brother. By all means, come in. Uh, I'm just um, getting some ideas off my chest. I might just message him. Give me a second. Uh, let's see, where was I? Sorry about that, folks. Lost my spot. Yeah, so what was I saying? Oh, yes, yeah, so um, so I started looking at diamonds, yeah, and so they, they claim that they can make artificial diamonds. So they, they, they say we can actually make artificial diamonds, but we only use them for industrial applications such as making uh, saws or um, things to, to cut other things, yeah, like tools. But the, but the ones that we dig from the ground, we use for jewellery. However, experts... Experts, diamond experts, fully admit, no, once you cut the material down, we can't tell the difference between a diamond that's been dug from the ground or one that's been artificially manufactured. We can't tell the difference. I always thought there was some difference, but they say, no, we, we, uh, we can't tell the difference. If you, if you do the research, you'll find out this is the case, which leads to the obvious inference that it's possible that they're passing off manufactured as real. So I, what I did was I wanted to test that, that idea, and I was doing some research, and... There's a lot of information that goes into this, but long story short, yeah, the diamond... Well, no, no offence, guys, if you have a, a $5,000 diamond ring or whatever, it's junk. I'm sorry. I mean, it's still important to you because it's, it means engagement. Right? That's awesome. That's totally cool. But this idea that it was dug from the ground and that's why it's worth money, that's not real. That's, that's a hoax. I 
a lot, a lot of people don't want to hear that because they have one of these rings. But it's kind of cool for me. I've never spent money on diamonds. So it's kind of, um, I don't have like a personal bias towards wanting to believe in diamonds. And um, it's all very funny to me, this idea that they make them in, uh, in factories in China. And, and also the way they did this, folks, it's quite an elaborate little thing that's happened. But um, I'll go into more detail another time. So that was a pretty funny hoax to look into. But then, but then for some reason, I decided to look into what is... Oh, that's right. A footballer who... Um, an Australian footballer whose, whose career I'm familiar with. I used to follow football very closely. So I don't know this person personally. I've never met him, but I know of him and his career and all this kind of thing. He's about the same age as me, actually. Uh, he, he had a car accident, a bike accident, actually, last week. And, um, and it was claimed, it was stated, that he had been placed in an induced coma. That's, that's why I looked into it. All right, so, so, yeah, so I decided to look into, well, what is an induced coma? That rabbit hole was not a smart rabbit hole to go down. And induced comas, there's no evidence that they help you heal. That's bullshit. There's no evidence to support that. It's a speculative experimental treatment that somehow has become normal. And the mechanism behind it is that they're simply overdosing people with barbiturates or sedatives. Okay, so you know what barbiturates are? These are drugs that, these can mess people up, you know, when they use them recreationally. Well, a certain type of barbiturate is one of the main ways that they induce comas. It's just a barbiturate overdose to the point where it lowers your brain activity. I saw one source that reduced it to flatline. <laughs> Don't know if that's true, but yeah, they're, um, they're overdosing with barbiturates. That's what, a, that's what an induced coma is. And there's no evidence that it actually helps you heal. And uh, it is reported that typically when people come out, if they come out of an induced coma, uh, they spend uh, a period of time, days they reckon, up to a week, of having horrific nightmares and hallucinations, which um, suggests to me that, that maybe this is not so good for your, for your brain, for your mind, yeah? Maybe, maybe. And there's no evidence that it actually helps anything. And, and that's the tip of the iceberg. So for some reason, I decided to research that. So I was writing an article about that. All these things that I research, I'm writing an article on my website. It's generally how this happens. An idea comes to me, I look into it, I discover something, I start writing an article, I do more thorough research. And then sometimes I make videos of podcasts or whatever. And so I, so I went down an induced coma angle, which I shouldn't have done because the medical hoax, there's some dark stuff in there. And then for whatever reason, I decided to, to a couple of days ago, look into the, the ultrasound one, which, like I said, I was already suspicious of. but had never spent significant time looking into it, not, not like I had the last couple of days. And what I have discovered, it is fair to say, has shaken me to the core of my miserable soul. Sometimes I say that for hyperbolic effect, but sometimes there is a little bit of truth to what I'm saying. And what I'm about to tell you will come as a shock to those of you who have this thing that we call empathy, which is surprisingly not all people. Not all people have that. Uh, it's, it's probably more like a spectrum. Where are you on the empathy spectrum? Some of us, we, we may be too empathic for our own good, but that's another topic. But those of you who are empathic, this, this one might affect you, if you look into it. Because you see, if you do look into it, you'll find out that the FDA, let's take a look at this. The FDA, let's go to FDA, let's have a look. Where's that page? Medical imaging, this is on the FDA.gov, FDA.gov, US Food and Drug Administration. This is a link that comes up when you Google, are ultrasound safe? Ultrasound imaging, 
Ultrasound imaging uses high-frequency sound waves to view inside the body. In an ultrasound exam, a transducer is placed directly on the skin or inside a body opening. A thin layer of gel is applied to the skin so that the ultrasound waves are transmitted from the transducer through the gel into the body. Benefits, risks. Ultrasound imaging has been used for over 20 years and has an excellent safety record. Oh, okay, that's good. It's based on non-ionizing radiation. Non-ionizing radiation. So it does not have the same risks as x-rays or other types of imaging systems that use ionizing radiation. Oh, that's a relief. Although ultrasound imaging is generally considered safe when, using, when used by prudent, trained healthcare providers, ultrasound imaging has the potential to produce biological effects on the body. Ultrasound waves can heat the tissue slightly. In some cases, it can also produce small pockets of gas in body fluids or tissues. Cavitation. The long-term consequences of these effects are still unknown. Because of the particular concern for effects on the fetus, organizations such as the AIUM have advocated prudent use of ultrasound imagery in pregnancy. Furthermore, the use of ultrasound solely for non-medical purposes, such as obtaining fetal keepsake videos, has been discouraged. Keepsake images or videos are reasonable if they are produced during a medically indicated exam and if no additional exposure is required. And that's a little bit strange. And saying that it's been used for over 20 years, excellent safety record, but the long-term consequences are unknown. That's a little bit strange. They're saying it's safe, but don't use it too much. Hmm, that's so, so you look further, you think, well, I want to know more. Like you, you say it's safe. What's the evidence that it's safe? So you keep reading. It says later in the page, this is on FDA.gov, that there are no federal radiation safety performance standards for diagnostic ultrasound. There are no federal radiation safety performance standards for diagnostic ultrasound. This is under the tab Information for Industry Ultrasound Manufacturers. There are no federal radiation safety performance standards for diagnostic ultrasound. Hmm. So you might think to yourself, well, I want to look into this further. I mean, is there evidence? Is there evidence? And I'm going to cut straight to the chase for you guys. There is actually a study that was done on the effects of ultrasound back in 1993. It involved a sample of a couple thousand expected mothers, and they were divided into two groups. One group were to have one ultrasound. The other group were to have two or more ultrasounds. And what the researchers would do would be to determine if there was lower mortality, that is, lower death, in the infants in the second group than the first, with the idea being, well, does having extra ultrasounds lead to better outcomes for the baby? Because many people have this idea that the ultrasound can detect problems that the doctors can fix, which is a load of nonsense that we'll come back to in a moment. So that's what these researchers wanted to test, and they were in WA, they were in Perth. Perth is a city on the west coast of Australia. That's where noise level is apparently uh, based, or thereabouts. So noise level from uh, fakeologist.com and the FART podcast. So anyhow, I thought, well, I'm going to track this study down. And I tracked down. I'm good at that. I'm good at finding studies. They're not always easy to find. But once you've been doing this for a while, which I do, this is my job pretty much, you get pretty good at tracking studies down. So I tracked it down. The actual scientific paper, I read it for myself. Turns out that these researchers found that the babies weren't dying. If you give them multiple ultrasounds, they weren't dying, which is good, right? That's, that's good. Except for the false positives, when you tell parents that there's something wrong with the baby and, uh, and then they abort it and it turns out there's nothing wrong with it, which does happen, and they admit it. But apart from those, apart from the false positives, 
giving the, the babies extra ultrasounds wasn't killing them. So this is good. This is good news. But if you actually read through the study, not just the abstract, but read the full study, you, you realize something rather, rather incredible. For you see, well, let me ask you this. Did you ever hear the one about how if the mother smokes, her baby has a greater chance of being born underweight? Did you ever hear that? The risk factor, according to these official sources, is about 1.3. So a mother who smokes is about 30% more likely to have a baby that's born below a certain threshold, at which point you say that it's underweight. What these researchers accidentally found when they were proving how safe how safe these uh, ultrasounds are, is that the mothers in the multiple ultrasound group, their risk factor for having an underweight baby was greater than that for smokers. In fact, the risk factor was something like 1.8, an 80% increase in the chance of having a baby born underweight. Well, hold on a second. <laughs> hold on, this is just ultrasound. How can that affect the size of the baby? If this were true, JLB, everybody would know about this, man. What you're saying can't be true. The problem is this was a scientific study published in The Lancet. This isn't my opinion. This is a study that you can find. Or at least I was able to find it. And members of my website, we have to click on the link. And I'll post, I'll post the link here if, if anyone wants to have a look as well. Just say, JLB, I'm interested. I'll post a link to the PDF and read this for yourself. Really, an 80% greater chance of a child being born underweight if you're in a multiple ultrasound group compared to the single ultrasound group. That, that will come as a shock to many people who might not realise that ultrasound can have a physical effect on the child. And people who thought, well, hold on, this is meant to be safe, isn't it? Well, you look further into the matter. They did a follow-up study on these children. And oh, good news, guys, good news. Eight years later, there was no statistically significant difference in the height or weight of those children. So even though they were born smaller, on average, 25 grams average, the group of the multiple ultrasounds. Even though that, that part is true, fortunately researchers came up with some good news. By the time these children reached eight years old, there was no statistically significant difference. And I'm like, well, that's a relief. But me being who I am, doing what I do, I thought, I'm going to read this study. I'm just going to read the abstract at the top. I'm going to read the whole thing. And so I got to the table where they showed the results, the sizes in height and weight of the children at eight years old. Well, gosh darn it, the children who've had multiple ultrasounds are on average 0.5 centimetres shorter than the single ultrasound group, even at eight years old. There's still an average height difference of 0.5 centimetres, which is, let me think, uh, one centimetre is just under half an inch. So, look, we're talking a fraction of an inch, half a centimetre. In the general population, if you look at two people and, and there's a half a centimetre difference, you're probably not even going to notice. The issue, though, is, is the inference that you would draw from this, that the ultrasounds... Yes, they do seem to have a physical effect, even up to eight years, as in permanent. It's permanent. <laughs> it, it seems as though the ultrasounded children are permanently different. The ones who've been multiple ultrasounded. Unfortunately, the study had no control group with zero ultrasounds. They only had the two groups, one ultrasound and multiple. This is the best that you're going to find. Ideally, you'd have one with a control group with no ultrasounds, but uh, this is the best you're going to find, one versus multiple. And, of course, from that, you can still draw your own conclusions, your own inferences. So I thought, hold on, you're openly stating that that there's a half a centimetre difference, but you're telling me there's no statistically significant difference. What are you talking about? So I read back through their methodology. Oh, I see. They're using a p-value of 0.05, which is pretty common in statistics, in the the fields of science. The p-value for the the difference between the two groups with the children is 0.07. 
So just outside of the p-value of 0.05. Now, if you've never studied statistics, what I just said will sound like mumbo-jumbo. In this case, that's because it pretty much is. These cheeky buggers have said, oh, well, you know, the difference in height between the eight-year-olds, and this is in the boys, not in the girls. Funnily enough, the girls are the same height, but in the boys, the group have been multiple ultrasounded on average. That's average 0.5 centimetres shorter. They're not all 0.5. Some are more and some are less. Just the average is 0.5. Oh, well, if you, if you took any two random groups of people, ultrasound or not, and, uh, and compared them, there's a 7%, 7, SEVM percent chance that you would get this height disparity anyway. 7%. So this is not statistically significant. That's the way statistics works. If it's 5% or less, it is statistically significant. 7%, no, it's not statistically significant. So in other words... Oh, yeah, well, we did actually find that eight years later there's still a difference between the groups, but it's, it's not statistically significant, okay? <laughs> if you don't know statistics, this is going to be very confusing. And how many people know statistics? I've studied statistics, formally and informally. I studied at university, bro. I had to take a statistics... I had to take two statistics courses, actually, for something I was studying at university, and I find statistics interesting. But statistics can be misused, and this is a classic example. Get this, you look into it further. I found there was a conference of some of the leading ultrasound figures in the world, including the president of a ultrasound supposedly non-profit charity, who have their own their own scientific journal, their own scientific journal. Anyway, they had this conference. There's about a dozen people there, and their conference this is from about 2000, I think 2001, something like this. Their conference, the, the transcript from what was said at this um, public gathering is, is available. So me being me, I read it. This is when I start to write research. This is the kind of thing I'm talking about. This is what I do. This is what I do, man. And I found a section where one of the now these are experts who are pro. They're pro ultrasound. Yeah, and they were, they were getting together to discuss the history of ultrasound and how far they've come. It was basically for them to all pat each other on the back. One of the speakers mentioned there's a bit of an issue with the safety though. We haven't got any long-term studies that prove that this stuff is safe. And uh, and basically the the ultrasound technology now is significantly more powerful than it was 20 years ago. In fact, this particular expert said that it could be up to 100 times more powerful now, the ultrasounds they use today versus 20 years ago. Here's, here's the problem, man. If you look into it further, you find out that this is actually a well-known thing, that the, the ultrasound technology is officially 15 times more powerful than it was even 10 years ago. This guy's saying it could be 100. In fact, in that PDF, that transcript of their little get-together, what he said was, that he's had American manufacturers tell him that their machines are hot. And then he goes to explain by hot, I mean, it could be 100 times more powerful than they were 20 years ago. Okay, well, now we've got a problem, guys, because the study that was done in 1993, that was done, I checked through the methodology, that was done with machines that were typically outputting 40 milliwatts per centimeter squared of energy. This is one of the metrics they use to measure how powerful these machines are. 40, 40. These days, if you look it up, these machines are pumping out 1,700, 1,700 milliwatts per centimetre squared. <laughs> which is to say, which is to say that the machines that they found led to underweight children, risk factor 1.8, worse than smoking, worse than a smoking mother. Well, those machines were weak as piss compared to what's being used today. When they followed up with those children, they found, hey, no statistically significant uh, difference. Except their own study actually said, well, there was, a, there was a half a centimetre difference in height. The, uh, the multiple ultrasounds are shorter. 
on average, at years eight, eight years old. But there's a seven percent chance that could have happened anyway, so we don't have to worry about it. That was with piss weak, piss weak machines, the machines that are being used to ultrasound babies right now as we speak all around the world. Ten, twenty, maybe a hundred times more powerful, depending on who you speak to. In that very same conference that I told you about, the one where you can read the PDF of the transcripts, which like 95% of these guys patting each other on the back and how great ultrasound technology is and how far it's come, the head honcho of one of these organizations, these uh, ultrasounds, obstetrics, gynecology, blah, 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 a non-for-profit organization who helped pioneer the use and development of ultrasounds, he says, oh, one of the earlier speakers mentioned safety, but we're not here to debate safety. And... Yes, it has been shown that ultrasounds might have an effect, but there were follow-up studies that were done that, um, what was his word? Very reassuring, very reassuring. The follow-up study he's talking about is the one I just told you, the one where there was no statistically significant difference, but there was actually a difference, 0.5 centimetres, between multiple ultrasound and, and single ultrasound. And that was with piss-weak 40 milliwatt per centimetre squared machines. Nothing, pop guns compared to what's being used to ultrasound these babies now. Oh, but JLB, they need to do ultrasound to, to fix the babies if there's abnormalities. Who convinced you that they can fix abnormalities? Where'd you get that idea? Because that's not real. That's not reality. They don't do that. Oh, well, there must be a medical reason why they use ultrasounds. Uh, yeah, medical insofar as they might tell you to abort it. That's, that'll be medical pretty soon, won't it? But in terms of fixing the baby, no. No. Oh, well, JLB, like, if what you're saying is true, mate, fucking everyone would know. Why would they just? Hmm. And why would they know? Would they know because they're taking the time to go and read these scientific papers? No. Would they know because the ultrasound manufacturers themselves are going to go out and promote this fact? No. Would they know because the FDA is going to tell them? Well, the FDA is kind of telling them, actually. It does say, uh, yeah, we... There's no long-term test on these bad boys. Which is actually kind of untrue because I found a study from 1993. If they had said there's not many studies... And the ones we've got don't prove that they're really harmless, then, uh, then they'd kind of be telling the truth. But in this one, they're saying, like, there's no wrong... Well, the one study that I could find, and it's from 1993, is from Australia. Huge sample size, a couple thousand children. A couple thousand mothers and children. With a 75% follow-up rate. In other words, the original cohort who they found that the babies were underweight, the, the ultrasound ones, 75% of that cohort were still there to be followed up upon. And that is, of course, when they found out, hey, the, the second group, 0.5 centimetres shorter. Eight years later. But it's not statistically significant, so don't worry about that, mate. You'll be right. You'll be right, mate. So you've got this big wig getting up on stage and saying, oh, look, one of the earlier presenters mentioned something about safety. Well, not here to debate safety. But look, don't worry about the safety, okay? Because, yes, there was a study that found some problems, but there was a follow-up and it was very reassuring. Well, how reassured are you? Good folk here at fakeologist.com. How reassured are you? Somebody says, well, we have got a study and it's the baby's come out underweight. Risk factor 1.8, worse than the mother smoking. Average, average reduction in weight, 25 grams. The average baby weighs 2,500 grams to 4,000. So we're talking an average reduction in weight of a percent, up to a percent smaller. Really, only difference between these babies and the other ones is that they've had multiple ultrasounds. Yeah, really. Okay, that's the average, yep. And the risk factor for being seriously underweight, 80%. Oh, but, but no, no, we, we, we did follow-ups, guys, and they're very reassuring. Those follow-ups found that, okay, the girls, the, the underweight girls seem to catch up to the other girls, but the boys, even eight years later, 0.5 centimetres shorter. 
But it's not statistically significant, mate. There's a seven percent chance that that could just happen anyway. So it got me thinking. It got me thinking. You know, like, how do you? What is what is ultrasound? Like I thought I knew what it was. You know, I'm speaking. I've got a a voice that you're hearing because my voice box is doing vibration, making vibrations of the air. Yeah. And but if but if I was to lower or higher, make a higher pitch, like. You know, we have this range, this vocal range, I guess you could call it that. And we have, our, we, our ears can hear very low things, like the voice of Napoleon Wilson, and uh, very high-pitched things, like tapping on, on glass or whatever. But, but beyond a certain range, we can't hear it, you know. Ah, but the bats, bats can do echolocation. You see, that's, they're kind of doing ultrasound in a way, right? That's, that's similar to the technology, like that's the same basic idea as ultrasound, right? Like we're just using sound waves, yeah? Mm, not really, no. Turns out that's not the case. You see, it also do with a thing called piezoelectricity. Piezo, P-I-E-Z-O, electricity. It turns out that certain materials, such as certain crystals, when you apply an electric voltage to them, they will rapidly vibrate. These are the things we put in transducers, or that are put in transducers, to do x-rays, you see? So it's a rapidly vibrating crystal. Now you might say, oh, well, Joe, if it's vibrating at, at millions of, of cycles a second, that's above our hearing range, but it is creating sound. Well, not really, because you can't hear that. No one can hear that. It's not sound anymore the way that you and I understand it, is it? Because, you see, the, the cycle rates, okay, so when we talk about hertz and megahertz and this kind of thing, humans only hear in the 200 to 20,000 kilohertz range is the official story. Let me go and find that page. It's the one page I actually bothered to bring up here. Let's have a look. Echolocation. In all species that use echolocation, the sound pulses are short bursts at relatively high frequencies, ranging from 1,000 in birds, 1,000 hertz, to 200,000 hertz in whales. Ooh, 200,000 hertz. Humans, what do we hear? Human hearing range hertz. Yeah, we hear from 20, oh, they reckon 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz. 20 hertz, 20 cycles a second to 20,000. They reckon whales go up to 200,000. Well, that's pretty impressive. The things that are being used on babies are in the millions of cycles. So no one's hearing that. Nothing. It's not really sound the way that we understand it anymore, is it? This is, this is a different thing. And so it should be. It's, it's energy that is being beamed out of its so-called transducer because electricity is being put into a crystal that then vibrates rapidly. Now you might say, but JLB, it still kind of does sound like sound. We can't hear it, but it's, the basic idea is, is similar to sound. Again, not really. Because you see, with piezoelectricity, it's not just crystals that have this piezoelectric effect, where if you place electricity over it, then it will vibrate. There are other things that do that too, such as, believe it or not, human bones. That's correct, yeah. You can apply a voltage on, on bone, bone matter, and then it will vibrate due to piece of electricity. But you won't hear the vibration. You can't. But it's happening. But here's where the magic of piece of electricity really comes to life. You see, it goes the other way as well. So when piezoelectric materials are touched physically, put under stress, they call it, they can produce electricity. So take a piezoelectric material, apply a voltage, it will rapidly vibrate. But at the same time, you could rapidly vibrate a piezoelectric material and it will produce electricity. Do you see what I'm trying to say? So if you're beaming these beams into, say, I don't know, a woman's uterus where a baby is living, trying to grow, 
But if some of the baby is made of bone, and bones have this piezoelectric quality to them, well, it seems to me like it might be a recipe for disaster. It might just be a recipe for disaster. Hmm. But, um, but no, I mean, if, <coughs> if, uh, if, if ultrasound did have any negative effects on children, you know, like, that would have been observed. And it has, oh, well, you know, the experts wouldn't let us cook our own babies, would they, in, in the womb? Uh, wouldn't they? Wouldn't they do that? Hmm. Yes. Yeah, I bet. I bet. I bet. So you've got these clowns like Alex Jones and others going around talking about... God knows what Jones is talking about these days. Forget Jones. Just the regular clowns in the act realm, the alternative conspiracy truth realm. Clowns talking about vaccinations, flu ride, schools dumbing children down. Some of these things might actually be a problem. I don't know. But what has been proven to be a problem is ultrasound. So how come these clowns never talk about ultrasound? How come I've never heard any of them talk about ultrasound? How come I never hear people in the actual realm talking about ultrasound? How come I've never heard anyone say, hey, there's a study from 1993 published in The Lancet which showed that ultrasound of babies, the ones who are ultrasound more than the others, 80% greater chance of being born seriously underweight. On average, 25 grams smaller. And that was back when these machines were piss weak. Now they're 10, 15, 20. My expert reckons 100 times more powerful. They were congratulating themselves in that conference. No, they were so proud of their history of ultrasound. How far they've come. You know what they said? We're going to keep getting better. Ultrasound technology is going to keep getting better. We're going to keep getting more and more powerful technologies so that we can see better, see the babies better, really bring them to life on screen. And uh, I have no doubt that they will do that. They will continue to make these machines more powerful. You see, they're perfect. They're perfect. They don't kill the baby. Unless they tell you there's something wrong with it, then you go and kill it. But in terms of directly killing it, they don't kill the baby. They just seem to retard it. So if you did happen to be in a world where there was an epsilon class or where people wanted a certain ignorant, dumb class, why, all you need to do is find a, a device that doesn't kill their babies, just affects them permanently. But how would you get these humans to to go ahead and use these devices? I mean, humans are smart creatures, right? They're not going to do anything that might harm their own baby for no reason. But hold on a second, there isn't for no reason at all. You get to see the baby. Oh, you get to see the baby. Don't you see? You get to see the baby. You get to see the baby. You get to see the baby. I want to see the baby. Oh, we get to bond with our baby on the screen. We get to bond with our baby. That's what they say. It allows the mothers to bond. It allows the parents to bond with the baby. Ah, bond. This is a baby that's in her womb, by the way. Like, she's kind of bonded by definition. Seeing on a screen, apparently, is going to help her to bond with it. She wants to see the baby. She wants to see the baby. This is a baby that's going to be born in a few months that she will get to have for the next 18 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be waiting on her. She's going to have to look after this thing for months, if not years, intensive care. Yeah. But she has to see the baby. We've got to know the sex of the baby. We need to know if it's a boy or a girl. And that's all it takes. That's all it takes. We'll, we'll let you see the baby on the screen. You'll get to bond with it. Oh, yeah. And so the humans became, well, enamored with the babies on the screen. This is now part of the ritual. Have you had the ultrasounds done yet? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's, we got to see the baby. We got to see the baby. Oh, oh yeah, and, and they said there's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's all healthy and good. Oh, that's good. 
Because if they had said there was something wrong with it, then you'd probably just kill it, wouldn't you? Oh, no, they can fix it. Oh, can they? Who told you that? Where'd you read that? Why, why do you believe that? No. No, they're not fixing anything. Uh, they can't. The baby's in the womb. All they can do is butcher it. Or encourage you to butcher it. But they ain't fixing shit. Or at least not in the way that you think they are. Oh, but they're fixing something. And it's called an internal monologue. They're making sure that your baby doesn't grow up to have the kind of anxiety issues that plague intelligent people. Being able to think is a double-edged sword. They're going to reduce the chance that that happens. Just like in Brave New World. Just like in Brave New World. Make sure that most of the humans are too dumb to even think, why am I here? And they'll be just happy enough to do the menial tasks and be happy with their lot in life. And you know what, people? Sometimes as I stare into the abyss, I think to myself, why didn't they ultrasound me more? I didn't get the full dose. Maybe I'd be happier if I did. Maybe I'd be happier if I was one of those people who's so fucking stupid that I will let them beam radiation into my womb without taking a second to look up any scientific studies about the safety or otherwise of this procedure. Maybe I wish I was one of those people. Yeah? Maybe I'd be happier. Maybe I would, man. I know a lot of dumb people. I'm not convinced that I'm any happier than they are. <laughs> Sometimes if I've been on a few big benders in a row, that next day, like the day where you're like, okay, I can't drink today, I have to sober up. So you're kind of going through withdrawal. Man, those, those, can be, uh, those can be tough days, man. The internal dialogue can, can really uh, be, be quite nasty. Imagine if there was no internal dialogue. Well, you don't need to imagine too much, my friends. Just look around you. Talk to the average person. Especially talk to the average young person. Talk to the average young person. Don't worry. Give another 20, 20 years. You'll have a new crop of epsilons to talk to. These ones didn't get 40 milliwatts per centimetre squared. They got 1,700 and up. Oh, they've got 3D. 3D ultrasounds, do they? Oh, we've got 4D ultrasounds now. This is just 3D in time. <laughs> wow. Yep, these things are getting pretty powerful. Pretty powerful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Man, this is great fun. We should come back for another. See how it's growing, you know. We have to see the baby. We have to see the baby. At that conference that I was telling you about, the one where you can read the transcript in PDF form, it's a long file, though. It's a long, long file. But, uh, hey, this is what I do. I sit at cafes and I read this stuff. <laughs> That's how you know I wasn't given enough ultrasound as a baby. But I would actually just sit there and read. This is what I do. <laughs> really? You're in Phuket, man, and you're sitting at a cafe reading scientific papers from 1993? <laughs> Shit. Who does that? Nobody, man. They didn't, they didn't give me enough ultrasound, man. It's like Bernard Marx, man. If they were meant to give me alcohol when I was being distilled in the hatchery, then they didn't give it to me. And if they weren't meant to give it to me, then they did. But whatever their policy is in the hatchery in this brave new world, they, they messed mine up. Plural. And now I sit here as potentially the only person in the English-speaking world who takes the time to look into things like the safety of ultrasound and read the scientific papers for himself. There's a chance I might be the only person in the world doing this, which would explain why I'm the only person talking about this. Possible. But this isn't as fun as the diamond hoax, man. The diamond hoax is fun. Really? All of these men are going around spending thousands of dollars on rocks that are made in factories in China. Yeah, but that's the funny thing. Because once he gets married and has kids, 
she's going to spend his money on useless stuff from factories made in China anyway. So it's, you see what I mean? It's actually kind of funny when you think about it. Honey, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And to signify this, I want to spend an inordinate sum of money on something with no resale value and no utility that was made in a Chinese factory. Oh, honey, yeah, let's get married. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What a time to be alive, my friends. It is the 22nd of March, 2019. I'm John LeBon, or at least I thought I was. These days, I don't know who any of us are, but I do know that in the morning the sun will rise again, and I will be okay, and I'll be living in, or staying temporarily, just a traveler, just a tourist, in a tropical paradise, where I get to spend my time doing research that is sometimes good for the soul and sometimes maybe not so good. It's all about perspective. I want to thank you all for your time. I want to thank abofakeologist.com for hosting this website. This website has changed my life. Who knows where I'd be had I never met the people at fakeologist.com. That's all I have to say for now. If you want more information on any of these topics, the deadly animal hoax, when it comes to spiders, nobody died, maybe a few people got hurt. When it comes to snakes, sometimes people die, but not as often as you think. The diamond hoax, yeah. Diamonds, man, made in, uh, made in Chinese factories. Oh, blood diamonds are a hoax as well. That's cool. It's nice to know that they're a hoax. I used to believe in all that crap. Kanye West, Leonardo DiCaprio. So yeah, blood diamonds are a hoax. Diamonds themselves are a hoax. Mm, don't know if I'm going to post anything about the, the induced coma hoax. Yeah, there's no, there's no natural analogue. The state that somebody is in induced coma. There's no natural analogue to that. Your, your body never does that. Okay, your body would never put itself in that situation. Right, we imagine, oh, well, you're inducing a coma. You're kind of getting the body to, to go to sleep and look after itself. No, no that's, there's no natural analogue to this. They openly, this is a completely artificial state you're putting your body in. And it just that happens to be the same as being overdosed on barbiturates because that's exactly what it is. <sighs> Shit. And the, uh, the ultrasound thing, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll post something about that at johnlebond.com. So if you're interested in any of these topics, that's what you want to go. You want to go to johnlebond.com, the best research in the world by so far. It's not funny. It's, uh, it's incredible. Where is everyone else? What are they doing? Well, maybe they didn't suffer what I suffered, which was a lack of ultrasounding. They don't know what it's like to have conversations in their own head. Much less conversations with other researching people. Let me say a huge thanks to all supporters at johnlebonner.com. I'm here in Thailand living the dream. It might not sound like from the tone of my voice, but I am, you know, a little bit in a somber mood. Plus, I'm in a small room, man. I'm in a hotel here in Phuket City. And uh, it's my first night in this particular hotel, so I'm sitting in a little... Mm, they call it a balcony, but it's not, it's not really. It's like this sunroom in a way. Man, Phuket City... Phuket's an island, beautiful island, beautiful island. Phuket City is a city on Phuket Island where the locals live. The beach towns are for tourists who spend too much money. But Phuket City is for locals. This is a, this is a, this is a bizarre little town, this place. But uh, yes, my voice might not quite carry, but uh, I'm okay, I'm fine. I might sound a little bit uh, depleted, which I am. I am depleted, uh, physically, spiritually, but I'm still standing. And another summer here in beautiful Phuket, Thailand. So that's enough of me wrapping it all up. If you want any more information, feel free to email me, johnlebon123 at gmail.com. 
And once again, a huge thanks to everybody who supports our here at Fakeologist.com. If everyone was to support it, we're just a few dollars a month. I reckon we could convince him to do monthly shows. Try for one, think it'd be terrific. Hold Thank on. you, John. I appreciate that. Holy shit, when did you join the room? I just popped in now. How are you? I want oh, to make um, sure you're okay. You sound a little down. Oh, uh, well, firstly, I owe you an apology. I listened back to the fake audio from yesterday, and I was being a bit of a smart-ass to you about the, the Asian white thing, and I apologize for that. It's your website, man. I was being a smart-ass to you. That was uh, out of line, so I apologize for that. Okay, that's fine. We're definitely into the sauce. But, um, but yeah, other than that, man, now, look, I'm a little bit tired. It's, uh, it's 1 o'clock here in the morning, and I didn't get home yesterday until, like, I don't know, two or three or something. Some ridiculous hour. Then I got on Fakeologist. So I didn't get to bed until the sun was up this morning. Then I had to catch a bus to Phuket Town. And uh, I'm not drinking tonight. So I'm kind of like, well, you wouldn't know this because you're too smart to drink. But if you drink for several days in a row, sometimes the day that you don't drink can be a bit of a downer. So I've been in one of those, mm, you know, contemplative moods today. And then also some of the shit I've discovered recently, man, is uh, even for me, I'm like, holy shit, man. Holy shit. Good research. I just did a quick search on YouTube about ultrasounds. I don't have to worry about that anymore unless I get an ultrasound of myself. And uh, maybe what you say is being broadcast to a limited extent in the media, but it's not being promoted. If you want, I'm just going to play a clip I found on a couple of years ago. Listen. Listen in. Since I'm able to play clips now, yeah, you online. Let's try. Let's hear. Let's hear it. So let's edit, uh, see if this works. Or it has a second here. Hello, everybody. So I know I promised you a series on natural pregnancy, natural birth, parenting, um, and I'm going to deliver. So today I wanted to start with the topic of prenatal ultrasound. And I wanted to go over why it's used, why they shouldn't use it, and alternatives to ultrasound, or ways that you can get the least amount of exposure um, for your growing baby if you absolutely need one, and the cases are very, very rare. So first I thought um, we could go over, like I said, why. So you... See, I think I got the Oh, dear. That sounded to me like Sinead McCarthy from Renegade Broadcast. And its effects not only on the mother, but also okay, let's try the fetus. Thanks to the media. I just want to play a mainstream story. In our morning rounds, an image of controversy. There may be no greater thrill than seeing your baby for the first time. I know it was for me. Since the late 1970s, that first look often comes courtesy of an ultrasound. Improving technology is now giving people a much sharper view of a fetus. But Dr. Tara Narula shows us how the government is putting safety concerns in the picture. Tara, good morning. Thanks, Tara. Good morning. There's no doubt that ultrasounds provide doctors with vital information about the condition of an unborn child. But as the images get clearer and three-dimensional, more and more women are going for optional so-called keepsake ultrasounds. That has some doctors and the FDA waving warning flags. Let us see you, son. 26-year-old Donquisha Williams is getting an ultrasound. Oh, look at my baby. But this one isn't at her doctor's office. It's at the Lakewood Center Mall in Southern California at a place called Meet Your Baby. 
These are going to go in my photo album. I get to actually see him, like, you know, so I'm excited and everything. Meet Your Baby is one of a growing trend of facilities offering 3D fetal images of unborn children as keepsakes. That's a full schedule. Michael Horan is the owner. We use the same machine as the doctor. Our techs spend a little more time to get a more enjoyable session out of it. But more time and multiple visits are part of what concerns the FDA and some doctors. While ultrasounds are considered safe, they are known to raise the temperature of exposed tissue and can even create small bubbles known as cavitation. I know that they're exciting, but I don't think women should abuse the medical technology for their entertainment purposes. According to a recent consumer update, the FDA says, the long-term effects of tissue heating and cavitation are not known. Therefore, ultrasound scans should be done only when there is a medical need. And regarding ultrasound machines, they are not intended for over-the-counter sale or use, and the FDA strongly discourages their use for creating fetal keepsake images and videos. I can't even believe what I'm looking at. Still, the appeal is obvious. Those 3D ultrasounds give mothers-to-be an uncanny picture of their unborn child, a far cry from the original chalky, black-and-white, often hard-to-discern pictures produced by 2D ultrasounds. Do you feel like it gives you more of an emotional reaction to see the 3D image as opposed to the 2D Very. image? I, I Very. I didn't, I felt emotionally connected in the 2D but I almost cried here. That is amazing. It's a bonding experience. Evelyn Orozco owns 3D imaging services in New York City. She has three branch offices with plans for a fourth. Take a deep breath in and hold it. While she performs diagnostic ultrasounds for a variety of medical conditions, as her website illustrates, 3D prenatal images are the big sell. All of a sudden, it's not a black and white. You see the features, you see your baby's face. And the biggest thing here is the nose. Everybody talks about the nose. Whose nose is that? Is it daddy's nose? Is it mommy's nose? Thank you so much, Some worry it could provide women with a false sense of security. You may feel, oh, I've gone to the mall. I've gone to one of these outposts where I can have an ultrasound done, and everything seems to be fine, so I'm in great shape. Heartbeat of the lion. And on the other hand, a woman may go for a vanity ultrasound where they may detect an abnormality. This isn't the one, sorry. I'm just fooling around uh, with these commands here. No, that, that's okay. Um, if you press pause on this video, though, if you press pause on this video, because this is making the exact point out, these retards are talking about, ooh, it's good to see the baby. Whose nose is it? Is it mommy's nose? Is it daddy's nose? Yeah? This is retard to your discussion about a baby that's going to be born soon anyway. That, that's not the one. Let me try and those, and, 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 and I'm glad you're playing it because that, that's proving the point I was making. He has his dad's nose. At 35 weeks, it's a calming feeling for Vereen Robinson to get to see her baby boy. Okay, he's in there. He's sleeping. This one might be a little... It might be calming for her, but it's cooking her yeah, little baby. Yeah, like this one might okay. Like it just All makes right. me relax. This is her third 3D ultrasound, and she said them done with her other two children. She comes here to meet the baby. Open since 2005, mothers can get 3D or 4D ultrasounds. They really, See? really love it. They, they get really yeah. excited, and Great I think name for that, a company. You know, it just really promotes them to be more nurturing and caring and bonding. <laughs> Dude, it's even cool to see the baby. From the FDA shows a different picture, telling women to avoid <laughs> ultrasound scans. 
In the warning, it says ultrasounds can heat tissues and in some cases produce very small bubbles or cavitation in some tissues. We talked with Dr. Don Palachewski at Tampa General Hospital about the dangers. If these little bubbles form, they can eventually collide and cause shock waves to the tissue around them, which could actually destroy the tissue. This has been used for things like liposuction in the past, but it's not necessarily something you would want to happen um, to your babies. Are we talking about the tissue of the mother or are we talking about the tissue of the baby? We don't really know. Yeah, it's just one of those things that the long term, um, there might be a biological effect long term that we don't know, really know about yet, so we should try to minimize using No, that. we do know already. The American Congress of Gynecologists, known as ACOG, an organization of women's healthcare physicians, has said for a long time that ultrasound should only be used if there's medical benefit to the pregnancy. It's known Which in laboratory conditions that ultrasound can cause this issue with a tissue, so the assumption is the same thing is happening to a woman when she's pregnant. I would recommend um, not doing one solely for entertainment purposes. I would um, follow the advice of your physician or midwife and only get ultrasounds during pregnancy if they're absolutely needed. But in the 10 years Christine Fremer has been with Meet the Baby, she's never had concerns over whether it's safe. There's no limit on the number of times a mother can come here to get a 3D ultrasound, but they do try to stick to 30 minutes. A mother also has to be under a doctor's care. Personally, yeah, I've never seen any issues. We have uh, moms that come back with second, third, and fourth babies. Moms like Vereen, who says she doesn't have any safety concerns. I don't think that this affects them in any type of way. It doesn't bother them. They don't, they're in their own world. <laughs> That's funny. How about that, bro? It's literally called See the Baby. No, I know. At 35 weeks, up. it's a calming feeling for Vicky Robinson this, um, thing to, to stop. get to see her you baby boy. Okay, he's in there. He's sleeping. He looks there. Okay, yeah, cool. Thank you for playing those clips, man. Yeah, so I was I was making the joke about see the baby from Seinfeld. Like as I was writing my article, I was like, funny, so I put that in there. But then the company that you just played, which I wasn't familiar with, those people, they've called their company see the baby, dude. The, yeah, meet the baby. Meet the meet baby. baby. Yeah, that's great. And then you hear that mum saying, oh, like, it's so enjoyable to see it, blah, blah, blah. That's the exact kind of retard to your thinking that I was explaining is why these, these ultrasounds are so addictive to the masses. Because they're done as shit. Oh, yeah, it's entertainment. It's entertainment, really. It is. It's totally unnecessary. I would say so much of medicine is overkill, intervention, interventionist. It's not necessary. All these tests are totally unnecessary. For instance, after... We also had a blood test for our child. Um, we have, well, yeah, we had we had so many tests. There's so many tests. I don't know. Obviously, there are probably more tests today. But I think we had a, te a blood test. I can't remember why we did it, but they did a blood test. I guess of the amniotic fluid, and they thought there was a, a high risk of Down. And the test is another one of these blood tests that 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 checks. Certain antibodies, I believe. I'm not sure exactly what it checks for. Oops. If you like this audio and want to support the site in a small or big way, please hit the PayPal donate button on the side of the fakeologist.com webpage. You can show your support for as little as $1.19 a month by subscription or one-time donation. Thank you for your support. So they, they scared the hell when, out of when, you by telling you and when, your wife well, that your yeah, child might have been. Well, yeah, when my wife got 
when we, when we were when my wife was pregnant, we went we we were just we were sucked in like almost the entire world into the medical system. Having a child becomes a medical issue. It should not. It's really the medical system has brought it in and under its umbrella and under its care, and and as such, you are subjected to all the issues that the medical system has. I believe we I believe had a blood test. I can't. I guess I'm trying to remember how it came about. 20 years now, and my, I think I need to go to the, to the medical system to get my brain checked and see what's going on there, but somehow we had a, we had a blood test, and there was an issue that we might have a Down's baby, um, even though my wife wasn't really in the risk. Anyway, so we, we, we had that done, and I guess we had the ult, an ultrasound done as well. I guess they did that to look for Down's mongoloid symptoms mongoloid features and we had the blood test and then we had the the blood test went to a geneticist who had to interpret the blood test and they put us on a graph that um said we were at a higher at a higher risk of downs and if we wanted to know more accurately if we had this issue then we'd have to have an amniocentesis which is a very invasive and potentially life-threatening to the child procedure where they actually stick a needle right into the womb and try not to hit the baby and try to get the millimeters between the amniotic sac and the fetus of the fluid and draw that into the into the needle and analyze that fluid. With another probably very specious or very fallible test. And if you're, obviously, if you poke the amniotic sac, even with the tiniest of needles, you could puncture it, and it could leak out and kill fetus. So we had all we had all these all these invasive tests, and of course, in the very end, we had a perfectly normal child. Then, for being a lot like her father, the point is that is full on man, holy shit. And I'll tell you, we every step. John, every step. You get the test and then you wait. Every single step creates a huge level of stress that can last as long as it takes to get the test interpreted. We had weeks, I would say, of stress. And then, of course, we had a horrible, horribly induced pregnancy, which, again, was brought on by another test that said that it seemed like the child had high blood pressure. You would know none of this. If you didn't have the test, if you just rolled the dice like nature intended and had the baby without the medical invasive. So we had a induced labor, which means that nature is not ready to deliver the baby and your baby is putting a lot of pressure on the mother and on its living conditions because as it gets bigger, it is it is just becoming more of a, I would say, overwhelming. I guess it's overstaying its welcome, so there's less room for it to maneuver, and there are apparently dangers inherent in that. But Do you really think that's possible for, for mother's well, body and baby's body to not work I, together on Well, I I think there's anomalies for every system. I I think there's lots of overdue babies. The first babies are almost always, are, are very frequently overdue. But yeah, I would think, I would hope nature can fix that and adjust to that, and I'm sure nature has a way of dealing with it, but the medical system always wants to get involved. 
So mm-hmm. they induced our baby, and the baby did not want to come out because there's no natural labor. When you induce labor, you the induction doesn't always trigger the body. So it creates an unnatural labor, and it causes another trauma to the woman's body. And we, we Anything that could go wrong went, did go wrong with us. And then eventually we just both made the decision at, at the, I would say, the maybe the 60th hour of induced labor. The second day or so, we just said we we give up. We'll we'll just take the we'll take the cesarean because you know, my wife's body was just not happy being in this unnatural condition for almost two days, and uh, you know they're they're happy to do surgery because that's a super controlled environment, and they you go from having no doctors around to help you to fifteen in literally minutes. It's it's almost like a rescue mission pops in. It's bizarre, but the point is, all the interventions for naught. There was absolutely nothing wrong ever, but every medical intervention could have triggered a catastrophe. And well, it did in the end. That, that, that's exactly what it did in the end. Well, it did in the end because my wife basically said, "I'm not. I'm not having another child after this." <laughs> so, I don't blame her. Yeah, I don't blame her either. I don't blame. You know, and, 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 and Tim, can I tell you, this, this, is, this is what, so you know, I'm sitting here right now as we speak, I'm sitting here in Thailand, right? I, I'm a 31-year-old man who had a full-time job, man. I was working a full-time job in 2016, and my job was related to the health industry. I'm not a doctor or anything like that. And then I heard Janice Barcelo, who I think is one of the women who was in one of the clips that you played a moment ago, Janice Barcelo who speaks about this thing called birth trauma. I was oblivious to all of this stuff. The, the ultrasound, I've only just really learned the last few days, but the other stuff you just told me about, induced labor, is their infection. I learned about that in mid-2016, and I had quit my job within two weeks. And that was the last full-time job that I've ever worked. From that point, I then went and worked part-time elsewhere. I worked on the website, and now I'm doing this. But that stuff you just told me about, when I learned about induced labor infection, I'll never forget the night that I looked into what is C-section? Why is it called cesarean? Because I was listening to this Janice Barcelo podcast, and I was like, what is she What she saying to me right now? If any of this is true, this is some fucked up shit. Pardon my language. So I got home. Yeah. This was late at night, and I started looking into it. And I'm telling you, that was one of the most horrible nights of my life, learning about birth trauma. I was born C-section, man. I was born cesarean section. Cesarean section... He's not helping the baby. Caesarean section is, ca- your word is correct, catastrophic. And and people are like, oh, they call it C-section because, you know, Caesar was born that way. Firstly, Caesar's a hoax in every... But, but no, this is not... This, this, this is at the little baby's home. It's it's the mother's body. And it is ripped out by C-section. Actually, I would say it's much harder on the mother than the baby. The baby, I know the baby's supposed to be squeezed out and all kinds of things happen at the, at the moment it's squeezed out, but the, the mother suffers way more than the baby, I would say. Really well, they're, they're both suffering. They're sharing a body. Up until the time they decide it's time for the baby to come out, the two of them, the two bodies working together, any other intervention is horrific, and the baby is meant to come into this world via the birth canal. With C-section, it is, imagine being a little creature growing in an environment, the safest environment you'll ever have is the same mum's womb, all of a sudden, that body is sliced open, 
and the body is pulled out. And if you watch a C-section, this is what I did that night. I never forget. It was in May 2016. If I was like, holy shit, now I've got to watch a C-section. What, what, what does this involve? I know I've been through one, but I don't know what they look like in real life. So you can find videos on yeah. YouTube. And yeah. it was uh, would, it was a traumatic would, experience to watch that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't watch it. And I was I was I attended one, but um, it is very hard, and it actually really sours their view on the whole uh, the whole the whole event. Although of course it does, of course those it are does. the uns- those are the unscheduled ones. The scheduled ones are a little more routine, and it's just the surgery. But the surgery is very difficult for the mother. I don't think the baby suffers the same way. It might lose a few. Uh, few natural things that occur when it's squeezed out but overall the mother's the one that really pays pays the price for abdominal surgery which obviously cuts through the muscle wall the abdominal wall it's very it's not good it's and, not uh, good these this is the baby's wife, first moments in the world okay and its mother yeah. is is being butchered this is the baby's first well, moments in the world it doesn't get to come through the natural birth it, the ba- the mother and baby can't bond like they would naturally and then if no, the mother the has the traumatic experience whether it's consciously or subconsciously, she's going to have resentment about the entrance of this of this baby into the world. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of some psychological issues with regard to that. I agree with that. It's 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 real tough. I wouldn't recommend it, uh, but if you're in the medical system, if you're in the hospital, you're it's almost impossible to resist your choice because it's not really laid out as a fair choice. It, the influence, pressure. No, and and women will almost. Always bow down to authority, and in our society, authority is doctors. So even if you say, "No, no, I've researched this. We are not doing this," she's going with the doctor. She can't help it. This is in her nature to be swayed by the men with the white coat, and this is, of course, propagated by ER, Chicago Hope, House, all of these medical industry shows where these doctors are valorized as gods. And so she's going to go with what the doctor says. And where's the money? And by doctor, I just mean you know clinical professional. If they say, "Oh, we need to do a test." Well, that means that they've got to do the test. That's their business. Oh, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. Now we've got to induce the labor. Now we're going to have to cut you open and get this baby out. More and more and more and more work. There's only one medical system, really. They have a monopoly. The issue is you can't really go to another, for instance, homeopathic as opposed to the allopathic. So if you had a second hospital or a second system where you just walk across the street for free and get the opposed, you at least have somewhat of a choice, but yeah, you're in one system, the uni system, and you either take it or leave it, and it's very hard to leave leave it on the table and just try and figure it out on your own, which you will have to do. There is no real assistance for the other side, if there is another side to whatever your issue is. So it's it's very difficult to avoid a monopoly, which is what the Yeah, people are going to get sucked in, man, and that's why, like, if anyone listens to things that this is me criticizing any parents out there for things that you've done in the past, no. How are you supposed Very to know hard. better? You, we we raised well, to believe yeah. the medical industry is our friend, and everyone just believes that. And it's only completely insane, crazy people like me who truly challenge authority. You have to be insane to challenge authority. The human nature is just to go with authority, and the doctors are the authority. Only insane dudes like me are going to question this shit and discover what we've discovered. But if I had had a kid five years ago, I wouldn't have known any of this. If I had a kid five years ago, I'd, who knows, man? I'd, well, yeah, so, I didn't know any of it either. I would, of course, do it differently. I'd recommend nobody go to the doctor if they're pregnant. Um, really, unless they just not go to the doctor in general. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah but 
unless you have a problem that you can't solve on your own with, with some of your own research, uh, just be careful when you get sucked into the system. And if, if God forbid, I get like cancer, it's, it's, it would be very difficult to resist going into the system. It's literally your only choice to stay at home and just try and figure it out by your own research. Good luck. Everyone around you is going to pressure you into the system. And then once you're in there, it's a totally different ballgame. Stop being your alternative researcher and you just I'm sure it's the same for almost everyone. It's just it's just difficult. It's the same with the propaganda system. Once you stop doing active research and talking on fake all just start talking with normies as you call them, you can easily get sucked back into the propaganda system. Ab, what you're saying, I understand, and it's difficult. We all want to fit in. It's a natural desire. All yeah, of us do. I completely understand. I'm going to tell you one more thing. I've got to go to important work to do tomorrow, but I'm going to tell you one more thing that I discovered. And I haven't really mentioned this too publicly, but that yeah. night that I was looking into all of this, I discovered something. You know how we all think, oh, the babies don't remember, like it doesn't really matter. You know, like, oh, in, in your case with the wife who's suffering, but, you know, the baby's okay. Because we all think yeah. the babies don't remember this stuff, right? We all just think, oh, babies, like, I can't remember back before I was, you know, five or six, so, you know, babies, yeah. they don't have memories, right? That's what we think. That's what we think. But what if I told you there is strong evidence that the opposite is the case, that actually those first moments leave lasting imprints in our brains subconsciously that most of us are oblivious to? I'll give you a piece of evidence to support that. There was a study done in Sweden, and it was using data from a longitudinal study from the 1970s on looking at suicides. And what they did was they tracked all the suicides from that particular region in Sweden at the time, traced them right back to when they were born. And what they discovered was that there was a correlation between suffering birth trauma and suicide later in life. There was a positive correlation in the sense that if somebody suffered birth trauma, they were more likely to commit suicide. But it gets better than that. The type of suicide they committed also correlated with the type of birth trauma they suffered. So if somebody, for instance, suffered um, forcep, their head was squished too much by the forcep, they were more likely to jump in front of a train. If they suffered asphyxiation, if they suffered asphyxiation, they were more likely to hang themselves. Now, did these people know that the reason they wanted to jump off a, tr- off a building or in front of a train or they wanted to hang themselves, did they know that what they were doing was enacting out the end of their life, the way their life started? No. It's subconscious. How is this possible? The imprinting on your mind in those first moments when you're in this world. It's not that they don't matter. They matter more than anything. And these babies are being traumatized and brutalized. Turns out even while they're in the womb. <laughs> Dude, C-section, I think, is bad as it gets, and that's what happened to me. Yeah. No, it's interesting because uh, what I was going to say is um, our first option, our first option is four steps, and we turned it down for a <laughs> Can you believe that? We didn't want oh, I, see, I see what you're saying. Like, is there a correlation yeah, between C-section and suicide? The, the, the study that I read didn't talk about um, C-section as a specific birth trauma in terms of relationship with suicide, but even just the basic idea of four steps leads to jumping off buildings and in front of trains. Asphyxiation leads to hanging, right? Yeah. The, the, this idea, that should blow people's minds. It blew mine. It changed my life. Uh, did, now, well, put a link to it, John. Put a link to it if you can. The, the only thing I've published on this so far has been on my own website, and I don't speak yeah. about birth trauma so much because it's such a dark topic. But a couple of days ago, I started looking into, like seriously looking into ultrasound. <laughs> this is yeah. dark shit, man. I'm telling yeah. you. I'm telling you. 
Ultrasound was proven 25 years ago to retard people physically back when those ultrasounds were piss weak. And now they're strong as shit and getting stronger. No, no, not for almost no benefit. Literally no benefit. They can't help the baby if there's something wrong with it. All they can do is tell you there's something wrong with it. Maybe we should get rid of it. Or maybe we should do more tests. They can't fix anything that's wrong. I've heard of in utero um, heart heart surgery. I don't know if that's real. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure you've heard of it. We've all heard of this stuff. But where's the evidence that actually helps? There isn't any. There isn't any. We all just assume there must be. No. No, 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 no. This is the Epsilon agenda, my friend. This is a, a way to not kill the humans. This doesn't kill them unless you opt to kill them, or, or they give you a false positive, as it was the case with your Down syndrome claim that they gave you, but it was just a yeah. fake claim, no evidence. They were wrong. You could have killed that baby, false positive, right? That happens. But even not including that, not including that, other than that, it doesn't appear that these devices kill babies. It's perfect. It doesn't kill them, just makes them, just retards them. And it's getting worse and worse. Oh, how, how come there are so many kids with, with Down syndrome and autism spectrum and how come so many kids can't communicate with other kids and all these things? Well, there's a lot, there's a lot of factors, mate. Well, the one of them is that these babies are being oh. cooked in the womb. So many in the... Va- we, I, that's the thing. We don't know what is causing this, this absolutely astronomical increase in what they call autism and the autism spectrum because there's so many interventions now. It, it's crazy. And I don't, and there's no, but the kinds of drugs, bounce things were never done. Now, I think there are a lot fewer babies dying at birth compared to, say, 100 years ago because being born had its risk. Yeah, we all think that babies were dying more. Yeah, we all think that. I look for the evidence to support that. That's not true either. This idea that, that babies were less safe 100 years ago, no, they weren't. They weren't getting as messed up by the doctors. Now, now is as bad a time as you can possibly hate to be born if you're a baby. Chances are you're going to be getting aborted, yeah, or messed up when you come into the world. Yeah, you saw there's a documentary on um, Iceland, how they basically eliminated, through abortion, Down's baby. They're gone. And it's quite, I think I, I talked about it a couple of years ago, but it still made a big impression on me. Really, we're just talking about the ethical, the ethical uh, things around it. It's fascinating. You should... Uh, Check the archives and watch it. It'll really, it'll affect you. I that doesn't mean that doesn't mean the babies are safer though, does it? I mean, and there's going to be false positives in there. They tell people, it, but actually, yeah, but you just you killed a perfectly healthy baby. You, you don't get to uh, see if they were false positives. That's the whole point. That, that's false the point positives. I'm making. Is like we can, we can say, oh, they've reduced Down syndrome. First, first Down syndrome happened in the first, right? And that that might be fixing the problem they're creating. If you get what I'm trying to say. But let's just say they are fixing the problem of Down syndrome. Their fix involves murdering. It's not that doesn't make the baby safer. <laughs> just means you're dying. You're dying earlier. You're dying at three months, four months, whatever, right? Yeah, you're dying. They're, in they're not safer. Utero. They're not safer. You're dying in utero. Yeah. Listen, man, it's uh, it's one thirty. I've got to stop staying up. At least I didn't drink today. So I'll be going, man. But I've, I've enjoyed the chat with you. I really have. And thanks again right, for everything you're doing here. You. All right, take care of yourself. Well, it's me again on the thirty-first of March, twenty twenty-one. About two years after that audio was recorded. Boy, oh boy, wowee. I listened back to that today because I remember recording that and I remember the things I spoke about. But there was stuff in there that I actually forgot I spoke about. And there was stuff in there that I forgot that Ab spoke about. So I was listening to that today and I was like, goodness gracious me, this is, this is important. But even I kind of forgot about one or two of those details. It's funny what the mind does over time, isn't it? Almost like you try and repress certain things. But anyhow, I listened to that one today and I thought, yep, definitely have to re-release that one because there has been some interest lately 
from uh, Twitter, actually. A's, A-Y-Z, has a, what seems like a very successful Twitter account, and he has a lot of uh, followers who seem to know what's going on. And so I was talking about the birth trauma and the ultrasound hoax recently, and then he's been tweeting about that, and other people have been asking for information, so I thought, you know what, why don't I re-release this podcast? Because really, I think it boils it all down into about as condensed a presentation as you can hope, given the information that we're discussing. And then Ab's contribution, the stuff that his poor wife went through, I mean, that's just... I forgot about that part until today. I was like, oh, I forgot. Ab comes in and gives the anecdote that completely proves the point I was making. Boy, oh boy. So that's why I'm re-releasing this one as a JLB Chats. And uh, yeah, it's two years since I recorded that. Can you believe that? So what did you think of all of that? Did it sound a little crazy? I do want your thoughts. We'll get to that in a moment. Do you think I might be onto something here? In the show notes below, there's a link to the PDF of the 1993 study that I was talking about, and I'm putting that link there for you to go and check out for yourself if you are interested in doing that. If you're a member of johnthebond.com already, there are also links below in the show notes to several of my detailed pieces, which explore not only the exoteric, E-X-O-teric, the surface level issues surrounding so-called ultrasound, but also the esoteric, the esoteric, the hidden layers, which go hand in hand with the ultrasound agenda. So really, even if you're not a member of johnthebond.com, there's enough info below that is free to the scientific study in, in particular. That'll give you enough that you should be able to work out what's going on here, at least on the service level. Then once you get your head around that, if you want to know more, because there's more to this on an, like a hidden level, okay, the esoteric behind the veil, there's even more to it. And so there are links to that, the JLB material in the show notes below as well. I want to thank all of the members of JohnLabon.com around the world for their support of this research and content, because without them, some of these findings may never have come to light. If you think this kind of research and content production is important, perhaps you might consider joining JohnLabon.com as well. After all, independent researchers like myself can only put in the countless hours we do because there's a small but genuine group of people out there who value this kind of content and support it. Think about what we do. We work our jobs to pay for our rent, our food, and our entertainment, our leisure. Food, alcohol, drugs, video games, films, Netflix, clothes. For any people, clothes shopping is fun. The list of things that we support, whether we realize that's what we're doing or not, that we support with our hard-earned money can seem endless. Like I said, food, alcohol, drugs, video games. We have lots of things we spend our money on. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But the point I'm making is, every time we spend our money, we are telling the cosmos, we're telling ourselves, we're telling the world, this is what I believe in, this is what I support. I support this food, this alcohol, these drugs, these movies, etc. Some people also value independent research and content creation, even if they don't necessarily agree with every finding, every conclusion of the content creators in question. For example, I'm a financial supporter of the High Side Chats. Even though only one or two podcasts a month are really up my alley, I support what he's doing because I believe in what he's doing. I think it's very important. Same with the Secret Sun Institute. I don't agree with everything that Chris Knowles says, but that doesn't matter. I think what he's doing is important, so I support it. And there's a number of content creators where that's my sentiment. That way, I can buy my alcohol or I can buy my other things. And I can think, you know what? Yeah, I'm putting my money into that. I'm putting my energy into that. But I'm also putting my money where my mouth is and supporting independent content creators. And there's a lot of people all over the world who do that and they support johnthebond.com. To all of you who support this, my sincere thanks for your support. To everybody else, there's tons of unique research and content waiting for you at johnthebond.com as well as a thriving e-community of people who know about things like birth trauma, 
and the ultrasound hoax and so much more. We discuss all kinds of topics and share information perspectives and hopefully a few laughs along the way on the Discord, on the forum, and on the John LeBond website. It is a sane house in a mad, mad world. And I invite you to come and join us. It'll be the best and wisest investment that you've made in yourself in a long, long time. That's my opinion. I could be wrong. Why don't you come and find out? Thanks once again to everybody. Check those links in the show notes below. And praise kick, Chatelet, ultrasound is not in fact sound. Period.